Hello, everyone, and welcome to 1200XL. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today, Aaron, we're going to be talking about getaway. All right, man. Aaron, when was the last time you were on the run from the law? Well, I am the law, man. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I was waiting so they for run it. run from me. Listen, I'm on the run from the law anytime that my tags die on the, on the car out there, as they currently are. <laughs> I, and, and right now during COVID, uh, you, they've sort of slacked off on, on really enforcing the whole tags thing. In this country and, and this state, you've got to have your car inspected and get an inspection sticker, which mm-hmm. is a grift. They're just getting some cash from you. Yeah, it is. Uh, and all, and so it's a game. You know, they've got these roadblocks occasionally to catch drunk drivers' boat. It also catches suckers whose tags are dead. And so I avoid those like the plague. And I'm always wondering when they're going to pull me over thinking I'm a liquored up idiot that's avoiding the roadblock. <laughs> and I'm actually just dodging, dodging the sticker. What about you? I, I can't imagine you would ever have ran from the law. I've never been arrested. I've had a couple of parking tickets, but uh, I've never, I've never uh, been involved in any high speed chases. Now, since you are the law, as it were, do you get treated different? Like when you roll into Dollar Tree wearing that KSP shirt, do people sort of shrink away from you? I never wear the KSP shirt anywhere, boat, because I've found something out. Now, this may stun and alarm you. A lot of people don't like the law. Uh, yeah, man. yeah, that's true. They don't dig what the law does. And so they have a tendency to want to, at bare minimum, uh, look at you funny or at bare maximum, try to kill you or spit in your food. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't I, I, I wear the shirt to where I've got to wear it. And then all the shirt comes right off. Mm. I, when I first started with KSP, I walked into the uh, a Walmart with my my duds on yeah and and it was like i was in full military regalia people looked at me like look at this guy i was like oh that's the last time i'm doing that ever yeah well i mean i don't do that now you don't carry a gun in your on your position right (laughs) kidding me are you kidding me can you imagine me with a gun no No. i'm not a real cop i work on toxalizers (laughs) i'm a technician i figure they just they they might just sort of let you in you know like you're you're one of us well, oh, you mean like make me a brother and yeah. brother in blue? No, right. I don't. No. I don't want to be their brother, mm. man. Those guys are under the gun man, all the time. Yeah, if they're not in a dangerous situation, they're getting hassled by people. So it, it ain't worth it, man. That you can't pay much like uh, a lot of professions in this country. Teachers are one, and and there are many others. Firemen, you can't pay a policeman enough to do that job. It's brutal. Yeah, especially I agree. up in the hills, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Aaron, let's talk a little bit about this week's game, Getaway, before we we get into our thoughts on it. This game, we've got a history with this game. Um, I came across Getaway uh, in an issue of Atari Connection magazine. Okay, this was the spring 1984 issue of Atari Connection magazine. This is a, a magazine that I'd never seen before. Everybody's familiar with Antic. Everybody's familiar with Analog Atari Connection only ran about six or eight issues, I think, and it was actually put out by the PR arm of Atari themselves. So this was like their own in-house magazine. That's back when they had PR. That's right. That's right. This is <laughs> and, now, this is, and these go ahead. I'm sorry. This is pre-crash. So Atari was still, you know, they were they were well endowed with the funds at this time. Uh, that you know the the twenty six hundred was still riding high. The fifty two hundred had just been released. They had their very successful line of Atari computers, eight bit computers, and so times were good. And they they had this in house magazine Atari Connection, 
And uh, they had an article about uh, this game and its programmer. The programmer of this game is a guy named Mark Reed. Um, And what caught my eye was that this guy is from Charleston, West Virginia. So, Aaron, if you want to go ahead and flash that article up on the screen right now, if you're watching the video version of the podcast, uh, I wrote up an article on our website, uh, everythingamiga.com, about this, and you can see the state of West by God. Uh, if you scroll down just a little bit, you can see the Mark's former home of uh, Charleston, West Virginia, is quite close to where we are right now in Amigo Studios. So I thought, well, we have got to do this game, and I've got to get a hold of Mr. Reed. And uh, and so uh, I got a hold of Mark uh, through uh, Kay Savitz, who does the excellent Antic podcast, and I uh, asked him a few questions. And so I'll be referring to those things that he told me over the course of this uh, of this podcast in terms of the uh, in terms of the background of the game. So, what is the background of Getaway? So, Getaway uh, was uh, one of was Mark's last release as a programmer. Um, he he fooled around with programming. He he first got an Atari 800. Uh, His parents bought it for him in New York City. Pretty incredible uh, because none of the stores around here had it, I think. Uh, This was uh, in 1979. Uh, He had just graduated from uh, Virginia Tech and uh, got a job working here in the Chemical Valley. That's what this area in West Virginia used to be known as. Uh, There used to be an FMC plant, a Union Carbide plant, uh, DuPont, you name it. It was being made here in the uh, in the Canal Valley where Amigo Studios is. So uh, he got a job. He had some cash and uh, he started programming just for fun. You know, this is what people used to do. Uh, programming was a, was a big part of being an early computer programmer. And uh, a t- and he programmed a couple games. He did a, a solitaire game, a Klondike solitaire game. Uh, he did a Pac-Man clone uh, called, I think it was called Munchies. Um, and uh, then he ended up uh, entering into a contest that Atari did. Atari had a very interesting way of getting people to program for their computer system. Um, you know, Atari, for they, they made a lot of mistakes early on. And one of the mistakes they made was they wanted the games to only come from in-house. They didn't want people writing games and applications for their computer, which seems insane, now, I guess they had their reasons, um, but they didn't publish any sort of documentation on how to program for They didn't have any hardware manuals. It was completely the opposite of a system like the Apple II, where Wozniak was famous for basically putting everything out there, which unfortunately made the system easy to clone, as we saw from the Franklin Ace 1000. But at any rate, Atari in the early part of the 80s realized the error of their ways. And this was around the time when they started to face some stiff competition from the likes of the Commodore and the C64 and the Big 20 and stuff like that. And so they're like, we need to build our library. And so what they did was they came up with this idea called the Atari Program Exchange. And this was an invitation to all the home, you know, hobbyist programmers out there. They said, hey, have you written a game or a utility? Send it to us. And we will publish it. Notice I didn't say, and we'll give you the royalties. Because guess what? That wasn't part of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they got to get paid. Yeah. So, they, yeah, Atari gave the programmers nothing except they did have a yearly award. They called it the Atari Star Award, where they handed out prizes to the what they considered to be the best APX games. Okay, so some sometimes uh, you know games won it. Sometimes other programs won it. The APX was not just for games; it was for all different kinds of utilities and things. And so what Atari would do is they would sell 
they would actually put out catalogs and these would be separate from their first party, you know, software release catalogs that normally got released on, uh, you know, cartridge and things like that. They would put out these catalogs and I actually have the one with getaway on the cover. I'm holding this up here. If you're watching the, uh, the video version of the podcast, uh, I believe that this is the, uh, fall 1983 edition, uh, that features getaway on the front. But basically this is a fantastic way that you can order, you know, whatever kind of, you know, programs that you want. These are normally cheaper than, um, than, you know, I guess, commercially released software, although this was commercially released software because they were they were paying for it. Um, it was a it was a neat little thing. And the whole APX arm of Atari was like its own little company. You know, it had separate offices, you know, separate from the normal programmers uh, that were working at Atari. And it, it's a really ingenious idea because you're essentially not having to hire programmers to work for you full time. You're reaping all of the benefits. They're basically sending you software and all you've agreed to do is pick the top three winners and hand out cash prizes once a year. Pretty good deal for Atari, probably less than great deal for the, the majority of the programmers that were working on these games. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's the same sort of deal that you have right now with Steam. You know, Atari was really ahead of the game. Essentially, all these indie games and Steam are doing the same thing. The only difference is that they actually get more of a cut of their sales. So that is uh, that is now I know you're familiar. You've got you've got quite a bit of APX software for your Atari collection, don't you, Aaron? I do. Ha- well, it's funny. You should, I never, ever. It's all mostly on tape, believe mm-hmm. it or not. When I when I picked up a that large collection uh, and lot of Atari stuff and was given a lot of that stuff, it came with quite a bit of the uh, APX stuff. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know when I was a kid and played Atari, I had no idea what APX was. And I certainly didn't understand the program. But as we looked into it before, it's actually I think it's I mean, yeah, they kind of screw the authors, but it's a great program because a lot of this stuff isn't going to be seen otherwise. It's also a good way to get people invested and involved in working on stuff with the Atari. And I right. think the yearly contest gimmick is pretty good. It's a good angle uh, to use. It's funny to think that Atari early on, uh, you know, I, they may have been slow out of the gate, but I always thought of Atari as someone that really sort of were good at, at marketing their, their computer and be listening to their fans and 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 trying to uh, help the community, you know, mm-hmm. that may have been something that they were slow in the draw with. But I think they've got to, and of course, now uh, the people that I love the Atari have sort of taken on that responsibility. And so they're like a big family that helps each other out. So the the spirit was there if they if they came slow out of the gate. But I think the APX uh, program was outstanding. In fact, I think the very first title we looked at, Caverns on Mars, that was an APX program as well. Wasn't that, isn't that how that one started? It was. That was that was the very first episode of ARG Presents. So uh, yeah. it, it was one of the two uh, Atari programs that were actually APX winners that Atari actually put into their main lineup where they had these. these this was actually put on a cartridge, sold in stores, etc. And Getaway was on its way to the same fate, you know, where it would actually have a, a real cartridge release. But the video game crash happened in 84 and all of those plans just sort of went out the window. Um, 
now, oh, and I was wrong. I guess the, the the contests were quarterly contests, so that gave people a little bit more incentive to keep sending stuff in. Uh, I guess uh, Mark had won a thousand dollars, three thousand dollars in Atari merchandise in these quarterly contests because he had some. He, you know, he'd won some uh, contests with other games, like I said, the skiing game, downhill, and some previous contests. So he had a bunch of Atari. He basically had everything that Atari made because if if you give somebody four thousand bucks in Atari store credit, you can buy a lot of stuff Especially- with that. Especially in the early eighties. Yeah. That's a yeah, lot of yeah. money. But Getaway won the big, the big cash prize, twenty-five grand, Aaron. Twenty-five grand. This was a, a lot of money in the early eighties, as you know. Uh, and uh, according to Mark, he used the money to buy his wife a Honda Prelude. Do you remember the <laughs> Honda Prelude? <laughs> yes, I do. What a gift. And 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 he did some waterproofing work in his basement. So he's <laughs> He's flashing that money around, you know, li- living the high life. <laughs> so yeah, your, um, your article's got a lot of great information and some great pictures. I'm kind of flashing some up. On the yeah. And, and just just to close the book on on Mark, um, you know, he uh, he ended up getting an Amiga 1000 after the Atari, which was obviously the spiritual successor to the Atari uh, 8-bit computers. Uh, and then just sort of gradually faded away out of the programming scene, just like a lot of people did, you know, as the, the systems became more and more complex, it became harder and harder for hobbyists to kind of make a dent. Uh, and so he went on to a very successful career in engineering, and uh, he's currently retired and, and living the good life. So props to Mark for uh, giving us that insider information about Getaway. But it's probably time that we actually discuss the game Getaway, shall we? I think we shall. So what is Getaway? Getaway is a one-player game in which you take control of a car and your car, you are a, this is a, one of the small genre of games where you play as the bad guy. Uh, you are on the run from the law uh, in a massive city, a sprawling city that's laid out with roads. And uh, your job as the getaway driver is to collect money and bring it back to your hideout. Okay, your hideout is a block on the city that's marked with a, a, an H. So if you can, if you can picture... Uh, if uh, just to give people an idea that are listening, if you've played Rally X before, think about if the streets in Rally X were more numerous, more twisty and only one car width wide. And that's that's sort of what we're what we're looking at here. Uh, yeah. If you if you've also played a game called uh, E.T. Phone Home for the Atari 8 bits, uh, there is a very similar top down view of a city with streets in that game, too. Um, so what you're doing is you're you're negotiating these streets. You're avoiding the uh, the the flashing cars, which represent the police. You're picking up various things as you drive along the street. They, you, you've got dollar signs, which are uh, small amounts of money. You've got different symbols, okay? And these different symbols, you have to collect a certain number of these symbols to move on to the next stage, okay? And to make the point values get higher. So you're trying to collect those. And then also driving around these stages, you have a white van. And the white van is sort of like an armored car, you know, a bank car. And you got to knock that off basically by running over it. Uh, And that gives you a big, you know, a big bunch of money that you've got to take back to your hideout. This game is 100% press your luck. Uh, You are, uh, like I said, you're rolling around town picking up this money. You've got two money counters. You've got your cash counter, which is at the bottom of the screen. And you've got your stash counter, which is at the top of the screen. Okay. The cash counter represents how much money you've got in your car. Okay. If you get caught by the police 
all of that money goes away. Okay, you lose all that money. If you manage to bring that money back to your stash, even if you get caught, that money stays with you until the end of the game. You get three cars. Each each game is three cars long. Okay, um, and uh, if you get caught by the law, you lose a car. Um, so what you're you're basically doing is you're like, okay, how far can I press? You know, rolling around uh, and and discovering new things to you know, new money, new money making opportunities, as it were, uh, without trying to make my way back home to uh, to put this money away before I get caught. Another thing you have to contend with is there is gasoline in this game, and so you have uh, scattered about the city. There are gas stations. You have to fill up your your tank. If you run out of gas, it's game over. And of course. While you're waiting to fill up, the law is still after you. And if they catch you at a gas station, it's bye-bye. Okay, so very similar to when you fuel up in Blue Max and you've got the, the enemy planes constantly bombing you. So, uh, Aaron, what were your first impressions of, of Getaway? You know, I had no uh, previous knowledge of this one, of Boat. Now, we're both sort of old-school Atari 8 bidders. And I don't know if you played this back in the day, but I've not seen this before. And when you first load it up, I looked at it and I'm like, okay, I, I got I, I knew instantly I'm in a car, I'm driving around, you see money signs, you go pick the money up. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but I had to read the documentation a little bit to understand the bit with the with the money vans and the bit and how the cops and stuff work. And this game is deceptively brilliant in a lot of ways. Uh, for starters, there are all, sort of all on-screen indicators to tell you where the the enemies are. Mm-hmm. So you can these little flashing dots. They don't. They give you an idea of that the you know the bad guys are or the good guys in this case are in that direction. The about, I didn't realize that until I read the docs about picking up the other stuff aside from the money and the you know and the diamonds the, the to move to a different level. I thought that was cool. But the main thing that really got me because we've played a couple of these games that had sort of this big city maze. I think we played New York, the Big Apple. Right, that right. comes to mind. Uh, but this game has a a, a mammoth maze. Uh, or island, whatever you want to call it, road system. In fact, it's so big that they actually sold posters of the city. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I noticed uh, when we were when I was looking at your article is if you look in the background here on the wall, he's got one of the posters up here yeah. that has the whole map of the city. I needed that map <laughs> desperately because the city is huge. And the problem I kept running into, and I'm sure this is a problem that they built into the game on purpose, or he did, is that you can't find your home. I had mm-hmm. a heck of a time getting my money back. Well, to well my, yeah, what you've got to do house. is you, I always sort of made mental, you know, landmarks to myself where I, I'd notice a particular road pattern and I'd be like, okay, as soon as I see this, I know how to get home. And then I sort of drove around in what I thought was the general direction. Of the, yeah. of the house. Now, something that, that's really neat about this game is that it's not just a typical, uh, you know, generic city layout. Uh, you've got all kinds of different features in this city. You've got churches. You've got a golf course. You've got yeah. skyscrapers. You've got residential homes. Airport. Yeah, an airport. There are all kinds of things to look at. And it really makes you feel like you're driving around a real city. It's completely different than Rally X, which it's it's just basically a, just, a, you know, a system of roads uh, oh, that yeah. made the game interesting to me, too. Um, I liked exploring all the different nooks and crannies of the city. 
sometimes I would just, you know, forget I was even playing the game. I'd be like, I wonder what's over here. I loved going over to the golf course and watching people, you know, there's, there's static, you know, images of people playing golf. Um, the, I really enjoyed the art in this game. It, it, in a lot of ways, it did remind me of uh, New York city, the big apple in, in that way too. It, it, they're very similar in that. Now, that's the only similarity, really, between the two, because New York, the Big Apple, has got all this weird mini games. Yeah, there. yeah. This game, I actually have found this a more enjoyable game than New York. Not because, I mean, New York was an ambitious title, don't get me wrong. But this game, is it, it's not the most complicated game, but it play it is fun to play. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, when you pick up, like, for example, when you hit the armored car, the cops really come after you then. And the more money you got, they, they seem to be more aggressive. Mm-hmm. And these guys, it, it, the name is correct because you're going to spend a, a good chunk of this with these cops right on your tail. Yeah. And you're having to maneuver through the city. One of the things I found interesting was uh, you really the fire button basically effectively stops you. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's almost like uh, slamming on the brakes, I guess, in a weird way. It. it I, I thought I, I think I personally would have rather had like a, some kind of turbo or something. I don't know if that was possible to uh, to help because the cops are fast and they get right up on you and they're really really difficult to shake. Mm-hmm. And once you get a, a cop on you, you're pretty much done. Uh, I had no I had no luck. Well, really what you have to do them. is you, you have to go back to your hideout because once you're Which, in your hideout, you're safe. Yeah, and that that like unlike yourself who could just take visual landmarks, I, I had all kinds of trouble finding the hideout. I mean. It's if you can find it if you've got unlimited time, but when they're on you, it, it's mm-hmm. a lot. It's a whole different ball game when they're on top of you. But that's part of the fun. And I will say, a few times I could get back to the hideout with all the cash when they were on my tail, and it was it was glorious to get through there and dump all that money. I like the scoring aspect of this because it makes it. I like games where you can where you get the points but you don't keep the points unless you like bank the points. yeah Pre- it's so, press your luck absolutely that's right and so and that's the, that's the key to this game mm-hmm. uh people you know when you look at a game like this today in 2021 you look at a game you're like oh look at this these airports and these trees stuff that's all like i mean you got if you put yourself in the in the mindset of 1980 or 1981 uh, this game, I looked at some reviews, was like ballyhooed for its graphical prowess, like mm-hmm. how incredible the graphics are. And people like me that are old enough can remember when being able to see stuff like a little golf course or an airport, they added pizzazz and spice to a game. Even when you lose a, a life in this, if you look at the top of the screen where your extra cars are, so you see one of the cars roll out to come down to be your next car. Little touches like that are a, a little... Little touches of brilliance make the game memorable. Yeah, and, and there's no um, there's no uh, music in this game. You do have some sound effects. Uh, you hear this game is a, a wonderful example of dynamically aware sound design. So when the when the cops are getting closer to you, you yeah. actually the sirens get louder. And that's yeah. that's amazing for a game from this time period. I mean, it's just another little thing that it, that somebody that didn't grow up playing these games would be like, well, what's the big deal with that? But there weren't a whole lot of games that did that. I yeah. love the way that they do the radar system. You alluded to that earlier, how there's no separate radar. Again, it's it's not like Rally X. Uh, you see basically little uh, pixels that represent the approximate locations uh, on uh, in of direction, not necessarily of closeness, but of direction of the enemy vehicles and also the white van. Uh, it's a very, very clever way of doing, yeah. of, of doing radar. Um, 
one thing that we should mention, and I'm glad the Buck Owens in the chat uh, mentioned this because I almost forgot it. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, when um, when Mark was uh, was doing being interviewed for uh, the Player Missile podcast, uh, he actually uh, found all of his source code, all of the original assets for Getaway, as well as his other games too. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to give you guys all of this. I'm putting it all on Internet Archive. And so what the brilliant minds over at Atari Age have done is they've actually developed alternative maps to the city. You can actually build your own map uh, and, and make your own game of getaway, which is pretty cool. You know, you could actually have different layouts to rep- represent different cities and stuff like that. So uh, if you uh, if you like getaway and you want more of it and, you you know, you want to play on some alternative maps, check out the thread. If you just search for Mark Reed getaway on Atari Age, it'll pop up or you can um, and you can see that. And of course, if you go on Internet Archive, uh, you can read Mark's whole story about, you know, the rise and the fall of APX and uh, his experience flying over to, uh, to, to 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 California and seeing all this stuff. Uh, it, it, when you look at those old pictures, it just reminds me of like whenever you look at like old pictures of Wozniak and Jobs in the early days of Apple. Everybody's got long hair. It's the laid back 70s, man. It was a good time. Yeah, man. Have you tried any of the alternative map ones? Uh, I, I have not. I have not tried those. Uh, I do plan on downloading some of those and putting them on the old FujiNet, though. Yeah, I, I've got to say that that's awesome. I didn't know about the that about the source code. That's real neat, and I can see where doing additional maps would be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But getting back to what just to, just to touch on it real quick, the sound design you were dead on. The sound design and the uh, and the and that radar system work perfectly in this game because you don't want a rally X style radar screen. That's cause that's no fun. Right. You don't want to know where everybody's at. Exactly. Let me ask you a question. Aaron. Let me ask you yeah. a question. Is the radar like, is a rally X style radar screen ever useful ever? I mean, it seems like we've played tons of those games and they all have the little tiny radars. I never look at those things. Well, they are useful. It's like for, I'll say defender, a game like that. Yeah. They're, okay. They're, okay. I'll, get, I'll give you that. Useful. Uh, but and, and I'm not the big. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not the biggest fan of Rally X. Uh, mm-hmm. Just it doesn't do it for me. Right. But this game, what I like is it's. Uh, it doesn't give you all the information, and so even if you see those flashing dots, you may hear a faint siren. You know, mm-hmm. and then as you move closer, and those dots, you know, blow up and, uh, and become the full on cop. Then that's when you hear the full on siren, and it works. And it, it amazes me that you could take. A concept like that, and all you've got on this, because really the cars are pretty much all the same, but some of them flash, like you like you would see flashing lights on a police car, and you combine that with that sound effect, it really does work. Yeah, it's it's simplicity that they use to its maximum potential, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely. thought this was a big win, boat. This I'm not is saying a- that because this gets a West Virginia boy. I think it was. I, I I thought this was a lot of fun. Easy to get into, hard to master, and something you could really play for points and have a lot of fun in a competition or something. This is a it's a classic case of a brilliant game that he just happened to come along at the wrong time. I mean, luckily he was in time. If this had come along a year later, he would have been even more screwed because the Apex was gone. But if this would have come along one year earlier and it would have gotten full cartridge distribution, just like Caverns of Mars and Raid Over Moscow, um, you know, Mark probably, I mean, he could have quit his job and become a full time programmer. I mean, it would given him that kind of a cushion if he wanted to pursue that so uh 
But it's just sort of a, a funny thing, the way that timing is in the early computer industry. You know, you're either on the cusp or you are sort of off off it on the way out. So, but, uh, but yeah, I'm so happy to, uh, to give uh, a game from a, a West. This has got to be uh, one of the only games that was programmed in West Virginia. I just, I haven't heard of any, any, any at least, uh, you know, um, of this magnitude. So uh, yeah, glad to give it, it some props and it's a bonus that it's a legit great game. So yeah. I'd love to have one of the posters. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I'd love to get hold of one of those. I'd be interested to know how many they sold. Because mm-hmm. like I said, I saw it mentioned several times when I was researching this, that they'd sold these posters. You hang that right above your Atari and you're playing this, you're in business. Then that's what someone like me needs. I need a good poster to get them done. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, we're going to bring this edition of 1200XL to a close. We are, of course, bringing the show back after a, a, a couple-month hiatus. Uh, we're going to try and do these every now and again. Uh, if you'd like to support the show, uh, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can head on over to patreon.com slash 1200XL. And uh, you, that's, a, that's a way you can support the show on a monthly basis. Or if you just want to buy us a coffee, co-fi slash 1200XL. Both those uh, links are in the uh, show notes or in the YouTube description if you want to express your appreciation. Uh, we'd love to have you. If you support the show on Patreon, you get access to our Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, which we've got tons and tons of fine folks on there that are always playing Atari and Coco and Spectrum and stuff like that. A lot of good discussion. And that's also where we drop our... Um, our next week's game coming up. Uh, now, Aaron, I did, we did do a, uh, a, uh, we did get some reviews from our discord oh. community. Another, uh, another benefit to being a member of our discord community is you can leave a review for this game that we read on the air. The first one comes from Z nine K nine. He says a crisp control flowingly balanced challenges of twitchy reflex and navigational awareness, snappily tailored sounds and an amusingly mischievous scenario in an evocatively miniaturized world. Ooh. Boy, that he wins the adjective award there. Yeah, well the, said. The radar dots at the screen edges are a canny way to let the player peer interpretively into the far distance, avoiding the bluntly literal distraction of a mini map. Delightful. Nine out of ten. Who wrote that one? That was Z9K9. He's My not only goodness. a games master, he's quite the wordsmith. He's a cunning linguist. Yes, yes. Mitsuyama writes, The graphics are lovely for a 1982 game, and the way that the sounds fade in and out depending on how close you are to the cop cars is a nice touch. What really impressed me was the size of the map and the smooth scrolling as you drive around the city. There are some graphical flourishes, too, like golfers, factories, and an airport that add some diversity to the map and act as landmarks to help you find your way. The gameplay is fun, and the radar dots are an essential part of this, giving you some idea of where the cops and the loot van are. I found cornering a little tricky, but I think that this was down to the controller I was using, and I'll try a better one the next time I play it. Highly recommended 8 out of 10. And Aaron, we did do a little high score challenge on this one. Oh. Okay. Um, I put up my score. It was garbage, obviously. Um, <laughs> what did you and, Can I ask what you got? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's see. I started out, my high score was 5,350. Oh, God. It's way more than I did. <laughs> That was that. And when I posted that, I was like, guys, this is it. This might be the world record. I didn't check, of course, but I played forever. I mean, I really felt like I was the man. Yeah, that's way better than I did. 
And then the real boys came to town. Okay. So uh, uh, we had Z9 K9 ended up with, I'm I'm trying to scroll all the way down through here. Uh, Okay. Buck Owens, 15,380. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. And Z9 K9, 10,660. Both very, very good scores. I We've saw got Buck some... mention this was the best game he'd played this year. Wow. And that's high praise from Buck because he's the high score superstar who plays a ton. So that's you know, high praise. Indeed. He's won so many high score challenges that he has his own song on the on Coco Talk. <laughs> no, the hee haw thing. Yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> I always laugh whenever they play that. So well yeah, done, thank Buck. you guys for for taking part. And forty eight K Ram also took part, but I don't believe that he recorded his score. I, uh, I think he, he was he was probably closer to my end of things. Uh, but uh, thank you guys for uh, recording scores, and uh, we'll definitely do this again next time uh, once we figure out what our what our next game is going to be. So uh, we want to also remind you that we record this show live. Uh, if you subscribe to our Twitch channel, it's uh, twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming. Uh, you can watch the show live. We've got a pretty good crowd with us today. I'd like to give them a shout out. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, we've got both of our moderators, Duncan Styles and Pixels at Dawn Gaming, is with us. Uh, Amiga Live is in the chat. Barkbit, uh, Brock One Hundred One, Buck Owens, Canadian Retro Things, Christian Russell is here with us. Uh, Commander Root, Da Crabs, MTG, Da Dan. Thanks for the cheers, man. We appreciate it. Uh, we got Droop Dog, Electrical Longboard, Extract More, Frodo and L, uh, Hamo One, Just Mike Sixty Eight, L, Curtis Boyle, Mitsuyama, Mister Cola is with us today. Paul Kitching, R Typer, Silly Gnome Two Two Five, Sloopy Malibu, Vigoro Pros, uh, Wide World of Retro, and Z Nine K Nine. Thank you guys so much for for being yeah. with us live. We really appreciate it. Very good, and that's going to end. That's going to end this episode of twelve hundred XL. Aaron, we need to come up with a catchy way to close this show. What, what, well, what should we get? say? Uh, what's a, what's an Atari thing? Oh no 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 no! <laughs> I'm going to say, have you played? And then you're going to say Atari today. Oh my god! All okay, right. let's try. Let's try okay. it out. Have you played? And press play. Oh, sorry. Perfect. Perfect. We should, but it should be a declarative statement. We're going to say, "Go play Atari, Atari today." Today, okay. How's that? Okay. Here oh, we one go. More time. Here All we right. go. Go play Atari today. <laughs> <laughs>